It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Welcome, everybody, to the latest edition of Behind the Braves, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves. I'm Ricky Mast, Braves Digital Media Content Manager, alongside in the Braves Alumni Lounge, Director of Braves Alumni Relations, Greg McMichael. That was a mouthful there. I got it all out, though. <laughs> 84 episodes in. Wow. I'm starting to learn a thing awesome. or two. Yeah. Uh, well, Greg, we've got uh, a guest we've had on a couple times before. We had on Bo, I believe, the first time. Mark Bowman, I should say. I'm so used to calling him Bo all the time. Uh, Mark Bowman, of course. Of course, a longtime writer, covered the, the Braves for MLB.com, Braves.com for, I believe, 21 years now. I believe it's this 21st season in this role. Been been uh, in the Atlanta area and uh, covering the Braves or with the Braves in some capacity since 1996, but in his current role for a couple decades now. Uh, had on Bo, I believe, uh, end of the 19 season and then early shutdown last year. He was kind enough to, to come on with us and helped us with some of those Braves classics when we were trying to, gosh, remember those days a little over a mm-hmm. year ago when we were all first in the middle of the shutdown trying to figure out, like, okay, we're all sitting around looking at each other virtually over our computers, like, all right, what do we do to fill the time here? Uh, and Bo came on, had some fun with us, and it's good to have him back uh, back here in person in the lounge talking about the season. And uh, Bo is just somebody I, I I referenced it a little bit in our interview, but, like, there are certain games where I, I work all the game home games from the press box. Uh, but there are certain games or certain days where I'll I'll move up in my seat and sit next to him because we always we chit chat and bust each other's chops. I mean, literally every day, and it's been that way for years. So uh, <laughs> it's good to have him on and 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 talk about the team a little bit. I mean, I, I, he's somebody he's seen a lot now in this game. Um, like you know, just like you, he's seen a lot, been around the game for about the not quite as long as you, but you know, mm-hmm. getting there. Uh, so it's just good to have somebody like him who's who's well respected, and I can vouch for that. Um, I, I may not want to say it that mu- that much or admit <laughs> to it, but he is very well respected uh, among his fellow his fellow reporters. So it's good to have him on and uh, just talk about the team a little bit. Yeah, I always love the perspective of someone like Mark who follows the team very closely, is there, pays attention. Um, you know, I, I would say he's you know he's a Braves fan. But, um, you know, he has a job to do, and that's to be objective and, and to try to, uh, you know, find the stories and, and um, you know, and give interesting things that, you know, people want to read. But, uh, you know, we've always not had, a, as a ball player, part of me, when it's my job, you know, you, you were taught not to put your, you know, let your guard down a whole lot. You didn't want to share too much. You also wanted to keep it professional. Um, but it's fun being able to reminisce with him now. I'm not in that role anymore, so we can talk about the team. You know, you and I talk to the team as fans and employees of the Braves and, and get to hear his perspective. You know, he's talking to him a little bit more regularly than we are. But uh, he also remembers a lot of things that the teams that I was on were going through and the you know history of the Braves, which is a lot of fun because he, I think he looks back and as you'll you'll hear, I mean he looks back fondly on those um, those times and has good memories and just and a lot of it's just relationships, right? I mean right. we all have relationships whether it's him talking about Bobby Cox or you know we're talking about Bobby Dews or you know some of the great coaches or even former players and um, but uh, it's always fun to be able to talk about something we're all passionate about. Sure. And I, I think it's – I think somebody like him, you don't manage to hang around the game as long as he has if you're not good at what you do, A, well-respected, B. But also I think he's – I think he's fair. Uh, I think he's 
you know, he's not going to he's not out here to blast anybody, but he's going to give you his honest opinion. If you're following him, whether it's, you know, at MLB Bowman on Twitter, or you're reading his stuff on Braves.com, MLB.com, his newsletter, which we talk about a little bit here. You know, he's going to tell you what he thinks Mm -hmm. and he's going to give you his honest opinion on it. And, you know, he's not necessarily. Well, I mean, I know you phrase it this way, but he's not in his role. You can't really be. A fan, like if we asked him that, I don't think he would say he's a fan of any team at this point. Just because I think, from his perspective, he's probably to be able to do his job correctly, he has to approach it a certain way. You and I are lucky because in our roles, we can we can be the biggest fans in the world, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, but I think he's he's very fair, and and even for the most part, even when he's maybe critical of people, I think he can give his honest opinion on moves that Alex has made, and Alex is going to respect that. He might not always like it, but I think that Alex and him know they can reach out to each other, they can talk to each other, and there's still going to be respect there. And, gosh, thinking about it now, I guess Bo's been here long enough that he's been, uh, let's see, John Sherholtz, GM, when Bo first started, and then Frank Wren, then uh, Copy, and now Alex. So he's been through a few different mm-hmm. GMs and, and a few different man- – or I guess three different managers now too. So it's – you, you can't hang around. You can't just go out there and just blast people every day and expect no. to hang around. And you can't just go out there and sugarcoat everything and be, you know, all everything's hunky dory every day. You got to strike that right balance. And I think he does a, a great job with that. And yeah. he knows that he knows his stuff too. I mean, he can sure. he can break down a player and watch a player. That's that thing that that you have as a as a, a person who played the game and that he has that covers it that I just don't have as being able to really watch. I generally can watch players and get. I can develop my opinions on them, but I don't think I have that ability to really break down like the little little things, pick up on little things, whether it's a something in a pitcher's delivery or the way he's the, deploying his pitches or a hitter's approach. That there's things, no matter how much I watch the game, I just don't I don't have that ability like you guys do to really pick up on some of these things. Which is why I'm glad I get to be here and listen to y'all so that I can <laughs> learn. You know what I'm saying? Well, I I think he. I, I would say maybe he's not in the fan of the category of the people in the stands, but I think he wants the Braves to do well. Okay, I yeah, got you. I yeah. think from that perspective, because that's good for all everybody's business, sure. right? It's like the guy who owns a restaurant down the street. He wants the Braves to win. You know, he may not necessarily be the same type of fan that's going to come, but I think being anything in this business, it's always better. His job's a lot easier when it, when everybody when when we win. Oh right? yeah, absolutely. So I guess I I I mean it that way, but. Uh, um, I, I love getting to do this podcast. We get to talk to a, a lot of different types of people, and I think it's great to hear their perspective um, and not feel like I have I have to worry about anything, you know, from the standpoint that, you know, as a player, like I said, as a player, you know, he kind of always kept the media, you know, at arm's length. Sure. Um, but uh, it's fun hearing, hearing uh, his perspective on things. Yeah, definitely is. Well, why don't we go ahead and do that now? Here he is. Mark Bowman. Well, on the heels of having Paul Bird, we were talking about his experiences at Churchill Downs on last week's episode. I figured we would get the Atlanta Braves press box preeminent horse racing analyst. Oh, nice. <laughs> on the show this Shouldn't week. Shouldn't that have been before the race? <laughs> yeah. No, I know how he bets. It's, 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 better, to, it's better to do it afterward. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Kind of. Uh, Mark Bowman from MLB.com, longtime uh, Braves reporter. What is this? Is this like season 21, 22 as this a, in is, your role? Yeah, in this role, yeah. Season 21. So, Man, wow. Yeah. yeah, I got Warren down Warren Spawn status. Yeah, I got down here in 1996 as an intern and told mom I'd be home six months later, and she lives down here now. So, nice. That's how <laughs> so, it all works. Nice. Uh, but, yeah, it's uh, it's been fun. It is amazing when you think about, you know, that first first year in 96 it was just you know a couple months after you guys had, had won the, the world series i got down here and you know the olympics were coming the, hmm. they were changing stadiums it was a lot of excitement so these uh 25 26 years they've flown right by yeah i i wanted to get into uh, you you put out this newsletter now 
which is, is really good stuff. If you haven't already checked it out as a Braves fan, go to Bo's social medias, go to Braves.com, check out his uh, his new le- newsletter, subscribe to it, sign up for it, and it'll get emailed to you. Um, where can where can folks do that, by the way? Is there a certain email or just, just check you out on social media? Well, I mean, it's, it, you know, I will post it, you know, on Twitter, you know, every Thursday. And at the bottom, it, it shows where you can go into your MLB or Braves.com uh, account, MLB.com account. Uh, and, and I think it's just somewhere you check, you know, receive weekly newsletters, that, that kind of thing. So. Okay. So at MLB yeah. Bowman on Twitter, check that yeah. out. So I wanted to start with this because I, I like, I think it was last week's newsletter. Maybe it was two weeks ago. I can't remember. But um, I really liked this 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 bit you had about the 04 Braves uh-huh. and talking to Bobby because you were talking to comparing it to the 2021 team's rough start, if you however you want to put it, yeah. um, and talking about uh, the 2004 team kind of started off similarly. And so I don't know who it was that asked Bobby about, you know, yeah, it was what he was going to do. But I, I just love that. Yeah, it, it was great. I mean, I you know, it, I missed those days and you know, Greg lived them. It was, you know, you had, at home, it was fine. You know, it was good to be able to be at home, but there was a lot of other reporters around. It was great to be out on the road where you walked in that clubhouse and the manager's office was wide open and Bobby just was willing to talk at any point in time. <clears throat> You know, there was no set times. There were no zooms. There were no cameras. There were, he was just sitting there and his, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever he had on, and he watching NASCAR or an afternoon game, and and you just sat there and you realized, it, you know, you you don't want to force a lot of questions about the Braves, so you sat there and let let him talk about the league, and you slip a question in about the Braves, he'd answer it real quickly, and uh, but but th- this particular story you're talking about that that team. Is you know I don't want let's not compare it directly to this one that this year's rough start reminded me of it, but that team was four to five games under 500 near the end of June, and it, it felt like it was slipping away. Mm. And at that point in time, the team had uh, 12 consecutive division titles. Uh, they had made the trade, uh, or let's see. Yeah, they'd made the trade for for JD Drew the year before. So, um, coming off the heels of that 03 team that was scoring like a billion runs right, a day. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, you know, Chipper had gotten he was battling some injuries early on. The team just couldn't get healthy and it, the, the pitching staff just wasn't the same. It was never, you know, it didn't matter. It was this was the first year you could tell that you no longer had a Maddox, a Smolter, a Glavin. You know, you had Russell Ortiz and Mike Hampton, John Thompson. It just wasn't a great great team it wasn't the t- kind of teams you've been used to um and so we were in there you know just talking and yeah bobby he never got upset but bill zach said to him bill zach was covered brace for probably close to 20 years too way back in the day for uh morris news service he said you know what are you, what, what are you going to do bobby and, and bobby just said what do you want me to do bill what do you guys want me to do? Do you want me to go out there and yell at him? What, what is that going to do? Do you want me to go flip tables? Do you want me to go do this? It's, you know, and he made a great point. I mean, it, it just, it, it's not like just getting in someone's face is going to change everything. So anyhow, they won that night. The next night in Baltimore, they was a five-hit shutout, Daniel Cabrera. And the next day, they, they won. And Sunday, they're down, I don't know, uh, see, seven or eight runs in the – seventh inning come back and win Javi hit one of his big home runs that year and then they just went on a tear and basically what I was just trying to say is you don't know exactly where that turning point's going to be what the turning what's going to change that season but here we are you know 15 16 years later now I I vividly remember those days I remember Mm -hmm. going you know that 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 being the turning point and every season that you're going to have that for good or for bad and and this year it's going to happen this team has too much talent Mm -hmm. I think I mean it's it's tough when you lose Travis Darno you know for however long this is going to be that that changes things but um you know and there's some things that have not gone the right way but here's the other part of that Oscar Noah, what he's done, that's a that's a very pleasant surprise that's going to continue to, to provide benefits for many mm. more months to come. And then the offense is going to get better. I, I don't know when it's going to have it for this club, but uh, 15, 20 years from now, maybe we'll be talking about, you know, 
like I still do mm-hmm. that, that day in Baltimore. Yeah, I remember that game, by the way. That was my, I remember watching that game because it was my birthday. I thought, oh, really? Well, this yeah. is, that was a nice little present. My team like came back. I think it was like seven runs or something. Like yeah. you said, Bo, they yeah. came back and won. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's <clears throat> – I was just looking at that lineup. It was a pretty stout lineup, you know, for Call and Andrew Jones, J.D. Drew. Um, you know, you had, you had Chipper and uh, Giles. So, yeah. I mean, there was a – that was a very formidable yeah. lineup. The pitching staff were, you know, the guys were solid, but they weren't, you know, a bunch of superstars. Yeah. It, it reminds me about, you know, the 93 team. It took us till the All-Star break. It yeah. wasn't until after the All-Star break where we went out to San Francisco and we swept the Giants, and that's when things just – it was one series against the team we were chasing. Of course, things were different back then because there was still just the East and the West. But – uh it is interesting how a ball team – and I will say about this team now that things can turn around really quick when when um, when everybody's in the same boat. So you think about the division. Are we really having a bad start? Because we look like we're right in the middle of the pack because everybody's, <laughs> either, everybody's either really bad or, um, you know, kind of like my Cowboys in NFC last year. Everybody was everybody was 5-10, and 10, right? Just let the, record, let the record show. My Washington football team dominated oh the NFC God. beast last yeah, year. Yes, dominated. But carry on. Yeah. But, uh, but I was just saying that you know that things can turn around really quickly when you look at that lineup. You look at the pitching staff, and all the other teams are in the same boat. I mean, we don't have to compare ourselves to the Dodgers today, you know, or even the Diamondbacks. Um, but we just have to look in our division first, and everybody's in the same boat. So either we're all off to, you know, a slow start, or we're all terrible, or um, everybody's battling some sort of, you know, you know, the just the bad breaks of baseball, right? You got a thumb, and you've got a sore shoulder here, and hamstrings, and eventually that's going to work itself out. and And that's why they say the season is always a marathon and not a sprint. You know, right now it's hard to look past that, but I don't remember any team that we actually came out of the gate outside the 82, you know, 13 and old Braves. But the teams that I was on, we always started kind of slow. And then, then once we, everybody got into their routines and cause you know, things work out, right. The, the injuries, you know, can take them, take you a little bit of time to work out. But, yeah. but, uh, so I, as a ball player, I don't look at what's going on right now and panic at all. And of course, um, I'm sure you know you have the same perspective. Just watching these teams over the years, that it's really about who finishes strong, not necessarily who starts strong. Yeah, I mean, I think we can just go with recent history. Let's go back to to 2019, and so they went to. L.A. around, I think that may have been, if you went back and looked at it, May 6th through the 8th. Let's throw out those dates or something like that, 5th through the 7th. They got swept at L.A. So that's, um, you know, they were four or five games under 500 around this point in time that year. They went to Arizona, played a game, then put Ronald at the top of the lineup, and boom, mm-hmm. everything started to change. But even even there, it wasn't till the middle of June to where they just – the Phillies came in here. McCann had a, a walk-off hit, um, <clears throat> I think, on the Friday night, and it just really took off from there. It started to, started to materialize in June, so so you got that year. If we go back to to even last year, I mean, it's a 60-game season, so it's harder to kind of figure out exactly when it changed, but you didn't feel great about the club when Ronald's wrist started hurting in, in August and, and Ozzy was on the IL and Soroka was on the IL. So you're almost half, eh, not halfway through the season. You're, you're almost a quarter of the way through the season at that point in time. And then I, I kind of, when did it all change? I'd say that doubleheader against the Yankees when, um, you know, Ronald, Ronald came out there and hit the, the walk or the leadoff homer against Garrett Cole and, and uh, Ian Anderson made his debut that night. It, it kind of, that to me, that kind of felt like it was the, the turning point. You didn't know. I mean, heck, you're, you're looking at that, that day and you got a doubleheader against the Yankees. It's, you know, who, who knows what's going to happen. But, but all of a sudden, you know, you put the, two, two good games together and, and that season took off. And you go back to 2018, that team was trying to find its way. You think about what that bullpen was mm-hmm, through yeah. a, a good part of that season. You know, they were just putting pieces together and, you know, hoping Jesse Biddle and Shane Carl and these guys, this, this would work and that would work. And, you know, it, it just um, – 
I guess I don't remember ex- an exact point game or, or nothing stands out from that 2018 season, but it was somewhere into June before you had any clue that this team might be able to keep it up and and go. So like you said, it, it's a marathon. Um, you, you look at it throughout the years, go back to 2010, which is a great year. Every, fans love that year. Bobby's mm. last year. Mm-hmm. It was a fun team. And yep. they went to they went to D.C. and, <clears throat> I don't know, John Lannon or somebody, you know, it pitched really well against them. And then they went to Philadelphia two days later and 49-year-old Jamie Moyer pitched real well <laughs> against them. And then three days later, Troy Gloss became Babe Ruth for six weeks and all was, all was right in the mm, world. Yeah. So you never know. I, I You brought up Enoa a little while ago, and I wanted to ask you uh, – well, I could put it. I know somebody on Twitter put it this way. Like, so are we officially saying that Waskar Noah is a thing now? Because it seems like he's a thing. So that's that's the Twitter parlance for you. But what I would say is, at what point? How long do you, when you're watching a guy? Because we've all seen whether it's a hitter or a pitcher go through stretches where, well, you just Troy Gloss. He was for about six weeks or however long it was in 2010. I think it was around May, June, something like that. Yeah. Where he was just like he was like the MVP of the league for that. If you just went for that that stretch. <laughs> so we see people that get at hot stretches. Or whatever but how long what do you see how long can you see a guy or a pitcher like that before you decide okay i think what he's doing here and look the grand slam the home run that's the two home runs that's fun but i mean i'm talking about pitching wise here how long do you see him how many of these stars does he need to put together before you be like oh for your sure like all right i think he's here to stay like i think this isn't just a flash in the pan kind of thing i i'm going to lean on greg from a pitching expertise on this but i'm just going to throw this part out here I love that he, these two pitches that he has. I mean, if you if you can throw a hundred and you can throw that kind of slider, and you're a two and you're two two pitch pitcher, you you can have some success for some time as a starter. It, I think how good or how successful he is over the entire season depends on how much more he develops this changeup, which we've seen a little bit more the last few starts. Um, I love everything about his stuff, uh, that fastball and that slider. I just – I do question how long you can be really dominant as a two-pitch um, starter. I, you know, I'd like to get your idea. What, what do you think, you know, well, he has to do? <clears throat> I mean, let's just compare him with Drew Smiley <laughs> Yeah. right now. So, you got one guy that can't execute – two pitches yeah and you got one guy that can and that's the difference between one being successful and one not so when i look at what's wrong with drew is that i don't see him executing anything i mean the slider he's got just as good a dominant slider maybe it's not as nasty but he's left-handed but he can't hit a corner you know, he everything's just left. It, all his mistakes are getting hammered. But I, when I watch Waskar, um, he he's executing both pitches. He's throwing his fastball up. He's throwing it in. He's throwing it out. And he's throwing his slider down. And he's and he's not walking people. So he's ahead of everybody. So he's aggressive. And of course, his confidence right now is through the roof. And and you can't discount that. But it also came from him executing time and time again I looked at him last year and he showed some really good strong signs of being a good relief pitcher but then you put him in the starting role and he thought I thought hey this you know this kid wants the ball he's pitching well and then I saw a little step up this year you know now he's getting more of an opportunity and he's staying aggressive he's he's um and he's making his pitches he probably will need another pitch but, I mean, we know guys that pitched their whole career with two pitches. I mean, um, but they weren't a guy that was throwing a straight fastball. Even though he throws 96 to 97, it's pretty straight. And um, and a slider. So when I look at him, both pitches are hard. I think it's more difficult for a guy like that to have longevity when there's not much change of speed. As dominant as his slider is, he may be throwing one a little easier early in the count, one harder late, or vice versa. But I still see him as a one-speed type of pitcher. And what's going to take him to the next level is allow him to do something that, that kind of drops the bar so i look at it as a fast a medium and a slow he's got the fast and the medium but he's really needs something slow yeah. whether it's a change up or curveball or whatever but right now he's filling a void that that we have and that's somebody to go out there and give you six seven innings and of course charlie's been doing that a little bit but with 
with you know with Max gone and with uh, Soroka gone, he's been a breath of fresh air. And how can you not love him? Dude's hitting bombs. And uh, <laughs> I just kind of wanted to talk about the elephant in the room: is why is it that every pitcher, when he pitches and does well, he continues to pitch. But when he doesn't, he sits on the bench. <laughs> but yet, a guy can go out there in the starting lineup and keep hitting in the same spot, making the same bad swings, and he's like, well, you know, he's in the starting lineup. He's just going to stay there. Why don't they just take those guys and put their butts on the bench, right? And <laughs> move them to the ninth hole and bring the guy who's hot, bring him up to the fifth hole you know, and the fourth hole. I mean, why not? <laughs> you know, we've got a fourth headset. I've been thinking it might be time to bring a former position player on this podcast too to balance things out a little oh my god <laughs> it is so funny how you know being in the bullpen my whole career you kept pitching as long as you were doing well yeah but it, you'd quickly move to that 11 spot you know on the pitching staff if you weren't doing well <laughs> but god forbid anything you'd ever suggest something like that to a guy who's hitting batting 205 <laughs> and uh he needs to be sitting on the bench for a little yeah. bit until he finds a swing yeah <laughs> like exactly. those guys are really sensitive <laughs> you you're changing me from the sixth hole to the eighth hole. What's going on? I mean, how am I supposed to function? Yeah. Well, while we're talking about guys who uh, are playing well so far this year, Bo, what have you seen out of Austin Riley here lately? Because he was going back into last year uh, and at the start of this year. I mean, he was struggling pretty, pretty hard, and it really – I don't know if anybody's seeing the ball better than him right now in the Braves lineup. Well, outside of Ronald Acuna, it's like Greg and I were talking before you got here. It's like you don't even – when you start talking about the Braves lineup, you don't even really talk about Ronnie because it's like he's literally playing on some other planet right now from everybody else. So um, we can get to that too. But we'll start with Austin Riley. I mean, what have you seen out of him here lately? I credit them both for something very similar to be, you know, 23 years old, 22, 23 years old, whatever, and and just have that kind of plate discipline and just Mm. had an understanding of the strike zone and that's you know I guess we saw a little bit of it from Ronnie over the years but just where he's taking it to, to where he is just swinging at strikes and now and just saying here you know you, you've got to challenge me because I'm, I'm going to you know if not I'm, I'm taking first base and then you know to, to see it from him I guess is, is maybe even a little bit less surprising than how quickly Austin has taken his game to that level. Here's the guy that just swung at every slider out of the zone, got himself behind an account so frequently. Um, you know, I think that's that's the, the big thing is he has been patient and he just has that much better understanding of the strikes and all of a sudden he's a, he's had himself in hitters counts and, and you know, last year if you looked at the numbers his strikeout rate improved. He wasn't striking out as frequently and you know, he wasn't swinging at his at as many sliders out of the zone. And when when guys made mistakes with sliders, he made them pay. You know, people say, "Oh, he's, he's only hitting the the hang sliders." You don't hit good sliders. You know, right. you know what I mean. They, if if somebody ex- executes a slider, it it's uh, so anyhow. To his credit, he was no no longer susceptible to that slider. He he reduced the strikeout rate, and then all of a sudden, started this year, and and even last year, you said, "Okay, well, he's hitting a lot of ground balls." Okay. That goes back to the whole launch angle thing, whatever. I'm, I'm not a launch angle guy. I'm a timing guy. You know what I mean? I, I don't – maybe there is something to launch angle. But to me, it's timing. And he – his timing is right now. And more importantly, he's swinging his strikes, making pitchers, um, you know, throw, attack him in the strike zone. They, 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 he, he's getting ahead in, in the, uh, the strike zone. And now all of a sudden – or not not getting ahead in the strike zone, getting ahead in the count. Uh, and, and now all of a sudden – we're sitting here going, can this guy do this and be that guy he was at the beginning of his career where he was homering once every 11 at-bats mm-hmm. over the first six weeks of his career? This is a difference maker. I, you know, I suggested last week uh, in that newsletter that came out last Thursday, I said that uh, move him up to the four hole. I wasn't you – know, so didn't want Darno to get injured at that time. He's up to the five hole now. But I, I, I really like the thought of – you start your lineup with, um, you know, Acuna, Freeman, Azuna, Riley, Albies. Now, but I'm okay with putting Albies there if you don't want to put Azuna and Riley together because, you know, two right-handers right there, especially with the three-batter minimum rule. Because mm-hmm. you, you do, you mm-hmm. know, putting Albies in between them, you can find some kind of advantage there maybe. Um, so... And I, I, I would say this, 
you needed Austin Riley or, or Dansby Swanson to step up this year, and right now mm-hmm. it's looking like Austin, it might be that guy. And I think, uh, you know, I'm worried exactly how many homers he hits this year, if it's 30-plus, whatever. Um, you're going you're gonna to be thinking a lot differently about Austin at the end of this year than you have at, at sure. the either past two years i i one thing i i think it was even before this season started i was talking with somebody just a friend of mine who, who's fan just braves fan and we were talking about austin riley and he was kind of down on him i was like well you i was like you might end up being right about austin i i don't know i was like but you got to remember like yes he came up and whenever that was i'm gonna say may of 2019 so he's been up for a while i was like but if you look at his number i was like he hasn't even played a full 162 yet i was like i know we're the patience run starts to run a lot thinner when you're expected to win, um, which this team is and has been for a couple of years now. So I get that the, you, you, you kind of need him to start playing up to his abilities or whatever, but I, I was trying to stress to the person, this, this friend of mine, I said, listen, it, it, I don't even know what he played through last year, but I was like, it's not a full full major league season he hasn't even played. I was like, you need to give him some time. Like that first, th- th- it was like when Frenchie came up in 05, nobody's going to be able to sustain that level. Like, th- I don't care who you are. You just can't. They're going to come back to earth or there's going to be adjustments. The pitchers are going to adjust to you. And then it's up to you to then make those adjustments back. And then that just goes on and on and on. I was like, we need to give him more time. I said, you need to give him another year or two before you can really make the, make a judgment on him. And so it's been, and then the way he kind of first started this year, I was kind of going, eh, oh boy. Yeah. He might he might have been right, but it's just been for me personally. It's just been great to watch him. Kind of seem like he's been t- make, taking that next step um, at this point. So I don't know. I, I really wanted to bring that up because I I do as much as, as I love to give you a hard time. I do trust and value your opinion when it comes to evaluating uh, players. So uh, well, one thing you can take to the bank: you see a guy who is taking the ball the other way with authority. Like, even his first out last night was a line drive to the warning track. Mm-hmm. I mean, he hit that ball right on the nose. When you see guys doing that, and with his power, if he can do that first, that ball inside you can react on, and you can get your hands in on, and you can foul that off. But you can't do that with a ball away. You can't you can't sit on a ball in and foul a ball off away. Mm-hmm. But you can sit away and foul a ball off in. That's it's it's you know incredibly difficult because it takes way more discipline to hit the hardest pitch in the world is the ball low and away because you don't see the ball enough. You can place a ball on a tee, and we do this as a drill when we were when I was teaching at my tramp facility. You put a tee. When you have the ball inside, you can see almost three-fourths, almost the complete ball. You put that ball low and away, you only see a spot of that ball. And it is very difficult. And the, the amount of discipline it takes to stay back and drive that ball, that's the hard, that's one of the hardest pitches in the world to hit. And so when guys – and, of course, Jeter made a living doing that. If you notice that he would get jammed and just get hits all day long because he was so sitting on that ball away so much that he would sacrifice the power inside – and, and But he would still main, you know, of course he was a leadoff guy, but he would still maintain hits. All those guys like Ichiro, they have a, a gazillion hits and all that. You can't be a good hitter and not be able to hit that ball away. Yeah. And that's what Dansby struggled with for so long, and he did great last year, and then he's back to struggling again this year because you get into your mind where you're, you're getting out ahead of that ball, you'll never hit the slider away. But if all of a sudden you're driving the ball to right and you're fouling off balls away and you're hit fouling sliders off, then that's the pitcher's best weapon against you. And if you're taking that away from him and you and then he's gonna try to come inside, he's gonna make a mistake, then you're gonna you're gonna hurt him. So that's what I love about what Austin is doing right now yeah. is that he's showing us that he is gonna be a good hitter, at least right now. Now, going back to when he first came up, the reason why he's swinging at sliders last year and everything is because everything he swung at, he hit his first year. <laughs> it was either a broken bat single or it was a home run or it was – he could swing at anything and it was getting hit that well, for that three weeks. That's like what <laughs> Frank – again, Frank Corr when he came up in oh, yeah. five. It, it could have been two feet above his head and somehow he was still tomahawking yeah. for a double or something. Right. You know? So yeah. he probably got this false sense of security like, well, I can swing at anything. And then yeah. the next thing you know, he gets hurt a little bit and then and then he's not not hitting anything. Yeah. So – I think there was a, a there was an adjustment period, but now what he's seeing right now, his patience and his confidence, and he seems to be a pretty level kid, any level level headed kid anyway, and playing great third base, and then being able to the discipline, man, I 
there's nothing in his game right now that tells me he's a flash in the pan. Yeah. Um, for because of the adjustments he's made early on in his career, that's those are tough adjustments to make. Now it helps when somebody puts you at a position and leaves you there, as opposed to Camargo that's been all over the place. I feel bad for him yeah. because that's been one of the toughest things that anybody as a young player could do. It's kind of like being a relief pitcher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's just difficult when you don't know your your role and you're all over the place. That's why pitching is so difficult. But for a position player to do that, um, but fortunately for Austin, they believed in him enough that they put him at third base, and I think that's allowed him to settle down and relax and and get after it. But uh, that certainly um, makes it easier. But it doesn't make you know what he's done uh, diminish anything that what he's done right now with this hitting. Yeah, yeah, no, it's. I think that was a big, you know decision last year they, they didn't make it right away at the end of last year but they, they gave him the job you know eventually whether that was two to three weeks into the season and it made it clear that, that he was, it was his it wasn't he no longer was competing with Camargo and um, started to see him really get going there last year and then the quad started bothering him in early September and you know at that point in time it was just coming and so then it it wasn't right but you know what one thing he did show, he hit that big home run in game one of the NLCS last mm-hmm, year. Sure did. Yep. Ninth inning. I mean, it's so not only does he have the potential to to give you, you know, tremendous power, he can give you timely power, mm-hmm. which is important. And we have to give Alex and Snit a lot of credit for that because they're doing the same thing with Pache. Yeah. You know, Pache showed us a lot in the playoffs coming up on the big stage and doing well. And it's not easy for an organization to do that. But what's good about our lineup is we've got enough big big players around them. I think you can give some young players that opportunity to sit and relax and get going um, and that they really believe in those two. Yeah. Because it, I, But that only is going to serve them well. They're going to give them more time to, to figure it out, and that just, that's just got to help. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Well, Bo, you've been covering uh, – the Braves and Major League Baseball for a couple decades now. So, is there anything? Have you ever seen anything like what Acuna is doing currently? I mean, I I I, I came. I, I was asking this when we had Alex on uh, a couple weeks ago, and I don't know. I'm going to keep coming back to this for probably years to come because that ground ball he legged out earlier this month. Mm. Yeah. I still I've watched that replay. I think at the time we had Alex on, I told him I literally watched it ten times. I've gone back and watched it a few more times since then because it still just doesn't. I've just watched so much baseball in my life; it still doesn't compute that he beat that out because it's like I keep looking at it, looking at that replay, thinking like I'm missing something. Yeah, that ball was hit slower than I thought. Uh, the the shortstop or whoever or third baseman, I forget now. Shortstop bobbled it or something. Yeah. And I did. He just he just. He beat it out. That, that's it. He's and just being that right-handed. Yeah. I mean, what do you think his speed really is? What you think he's a Ford? You think he's world-class speed? You have like to think that, yeah, I mean, you have to think he's got to be close. You think about. I don't know. I, I guess I'd have to look at that that particular whatever they said that that day was thirty-one point whatever you know feet down per second down the first baseline. I mean, that, that's. That's as about as fast as you can. Is that go. Mickey Mantle type speed? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, but I'd Mickey have to... Mantle was left-handed, right? Exactly. Those guys, you yeah. know, that were left-handed like that. But you know, Dion was his open speed was the top, but Otis had a quicker step. Yeah. So was you see Ronald as one of those first step guys because he can steal bases. Or do you think his – or does he have both? Do you have open speed? I think he's got both. I think he's got like both. Like a Ricky Henderson. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I think it's – I think he has both. Um, because it's not just that sprint down the first base. It's just seeing him – you know, what, what we've seen him score on the shallow um, – Yeah. Stack fly or, or you know, a, a ball that's, you know – what was the play last year where he scored from first on a ball on a single to the like the right center field gap? I can't remember what what happened. Did somebody uh, bobble just for a second? But but yeah. I mean we're talking like just a bobble, and that's yeah. all. That was the difference of him scoring. Now he was running on the play and all that kind of stuff. I get it, yeah. but he scored from first on a single basically. Yeah. Um, I, you know, yeah. You asked me have I have I seen this? No, not in these twenty years. I've never seen anything like it since you know Bo Jackson was dominating Tecmo Bowl. So. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah. I, I just think about I can see aspects of his game. A Kenny Lofton was such a disruptor 
on the bases and getting on base. That 95 season with, with Kenny yeah. Lofton, we were scared to death of that guy getting on base. Yeah. And he could get on a number of different ways. I see that part of Ronald's game. But Ronald's got – I mean, he's got three or four more other aspects of his game. But, I mean, that's just one piece. That's the thing. So, so here's what Ronald is. Ronald is Kenny Lofton and Albert Bell from an offensive perspective. <laughs> you morph these two yeah, guys. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, from a defensive perspective, he's doing things with his arm that, that mm-hmm. you know, I growing up in the Pittsburgh, area and all I heard all the Clemente stories and I'm just mm-hmm. there and and just this is Clemente's arm. This is this is the, I love seeing Ronald in in, in, mm. in right field. Can yeah. he play center? Sure. Sure he can play it. But he is a his accuracy is it, him in right field yeah. is unbelievable. I, there was a play last week yep. where he was he was flat footed in, in right field. And the guy didn't run. But I looked at the the the, the gun it was 94 miles per hour. He was flat-footed in right field. I mean, it was one of these. We're now using the radar gun for outfielders. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what the heck? So I was, I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to. I have seen that, guys. He got a hat like the dude from the Dodgers. You know, there at the third baseline. Everything's getting clocked, including you leaving the group. Oh, oh God. <laughs> Watch your speed. StatCast is controlling everything in this world. Oh, my God. That, I'm glad you brought that play up, Bo. I was going to ask you about it because this was so my normal spot in the press box. I'm down the, the front row, and Bo likes to chill back in the second row in his spot. But on day games, because I'm just so precious and don't want to deal with the sun in my eye, I'll move up and hang out next to Bo. Um, Ronnie, Ronnie, Ronald made that throw, and I kind of my eyes kind of went open, and Bo just out loud goes, "Wow!" <laughs> <laughs> and I looked at him, and we're looking at each other like, "Did he just?" Yeah. Like I mean, it's just, yeah. he, and it's like he's been up here since when? 2018, and it's like we're a few years into this thing now, and still on an almost everyday basis, I'm just watching the guy going like, "He's just doing things I've just, just yeah. never seen this before." It's, right. it's and it's every aspect of it. this year in particular. It's everything. Yeah. It's everything. There's yeah. not one oh, yeah, part yeah. of his game where he's not. His, his athleticism is just something. Yeah, it's just something God given that's beyond. I think what uh, what if most we, of us if have. If we can get the color codes a little bit different I mean, instead of the yellow, I'm not. You a don't big like the yellow? Yeah, really, yellow. I like the yellow. The, yeah, uh, I think it looks good. I'm Did a fan. D Row called him Iron Man. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> the. Uh, how many spring trains did you spend at Disney? Did uh, just one, just one. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right, two thousand. But you've been down there countless times, and so how many times have you been walking by the right center field wall while somebody's while they're taking BP? And you know that you got to be somewhat conscious, right? With with Ronald, it when he's batting, you you don't just need to kind of like occasionally look. You you probably should yeah. just walk with. You know, it's like that year Hayward wall. Hayward was yeah. peppering you know yeah. Frank Wren's car down yeah. the down the right field line at yeah. Disney. Yeah, exactly. The thing was, then you you kind of expected it from the left-handed batter. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> all of a sudden, the, this right now it's guy, both. It's yeah. all over the place. <laughs> well, <he> just, <laughs> well, what was that All-Star game? I mean, he hit like the, the, yeah. derby. the, the derby, home run derby. Yeah, yep. he hit so many different. Um, home runs. His spray chart was incredible. Yeah. That's exactly what I was. That, yeah, took the words right out of my mouth. Is like that's because he didn't win. We probably a lot of people probably didn't look at that enough. But I was yeah. sitting there going like like I wonder how many other people are watching this and realizing he's the only person that's doing this. He oh. might not win the thing. Well, that hurt. But him. He's, it hurt him. Yeah, because yeah. Uh, was it, it wasn't Tatis, but it was um, oh. Uh, for uh, for Toronto, he wasn't he going against him. Uh, uh, yeah, Vlad. Yeah, Vlad yeah. Jr. Yeah, he was oh, going right. against him, right. and he was hitting just pepper in that left left center, yeah. you know, stands, and he he ended up winning it because he just pulled it. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's pretty unbelievable. Well, Bo, uh, I think we've kept you long enough. There's probably a race starting out somewhere. I don't know, uh, <laughs> Santa Anita. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, the uh, he's got Sea Biscuit, Sea Biscuit showing. That was always the good thing when we had Chino here on the staff. I always had somebody to go to the, the oh, horse really? track. Okay. The horse track was Chino. Have you ever been down in Tampa? That one? Uh, no, we never did go to that it's one. First one I ever yeah. went to. They got good food there. Yeah. yeah. Um, Rod Nichols. I don't know if you remember Rod. Rod was uh, was with the Indians. We were together, and I was at my 
my first instructional league with them and he uh or one year he took he said hey have you ever been at the maybe that was a dog track there was a dog, was track, a dog track yeah and yeah. i went no he goes man they got good food <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so i we went there he took me to eat it was yeah. good we went uh we'd leave spring training head up to the orlando kennel club you know it was like about a 45 minute trip up there and such a fancy name for a dog <laughs> oh yeah orlando kennel yeah, okay yeah. but anyway sounds more have, sophisticated yeah gino'd walk in and smoltz went up there with us every once in a while and shocker hep, hep prone <laughs> yeah shocker right <laughs> hep prone and uh do you know hep did you ever cross paths <laughs> anyhow he was became famous there last month when uh, oh mick cronin's mick, dad mick cronin's dad so he uh so when when ucla went far there in the tournament they kept showing him there and i was like yes and we he used to accompany us there too so uh good man he was uh he was responsible for draft or drafting uh david justice oh, so, nice. so he was he was a cincinnati area basketball coach high school basketball coach had a great career and became a just one of paul snyder's right hand men so. oh yeah good well good if man. paul if paul had him then you know he was a good man that's right well, Bo, we thank you so much for for taking the time. You drove all the way down here to hang out yeah. with us today, and I appreciate that on a on a, when the when the on a day when the Braves aren't in town. So we appreciate that, and uh, we'll maybe Frenchie will let you hang out with him, and watch the game. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There you go. <laughs> go upstairs and watch yeah. the game with him. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> all right, Bo. Thanks, man. We'll see you next time. All right. Thank you. Our thanks again to Mark Bowman for joining us here on Behind the Braves. Uh, Greg, we got a couple big – well, first of all, uh, as of this uh, this episode coming out, uh, we're going to have 100% capacity back here at Truist Park this weekend, which is great. <laughs> nice. I'm so excited about that. That's It's been great having fans back the first month of the season, but to have a full ballpark again, man, it's just – We've literally been waiting for a year and a half, maybe longer now for that. So thank goodness. And you've got some exciting stuff coming up with Braves alumni. We've got Alumni Sunday this week with uh, somebody who I think all Braves fans who, whether you've been watching the team for 20-ish years or you've been tuning in to watch the Braves on TV for the last 5, 10 years, you're very familiar with Brian Jordan this Sunday, right? Yeah, can't wait. Brian's going to join me for uh, Alumni Sunday out in the plaza. We'll do a little Q&A with him and talk to him about his career, what he's doing now. Three, two sports stars in Atlanta Braves history, Ron Reed on the 66 team, 66, 67, 68, I think, and then he was also in the NBA, uh, Deion Sanders and Brian Jordan. Brian Jordan doesn't get enough credit out no. there for being for being a two-sport star. We all Everybody remembers Bo Jackson and Deion and those guys, but I don't feel like Brian gets enough credit. I don't yeah, know why that is either. I don't, I don't know either. Probably because he was a linebacker, you know, and um, he wasn't in a real flashy position. Bo was a running back, right? And then he played football in the South. Yeah, I that's think true. he was big before he ever got into baseball. He played for the Royals, which wasn't really big. You know, Brian got a chance to play for the, the Cardinals and the Braves, but Brian went to a smaller college in, you know, in Virginia. And uh, he went to Richmond. So, but but then he played for the Falcons. He played a few years for the Falcons, and he was um, an All Pro selection. But uh, yeah, I, I agree. You know, Brian's not super flamboyant, you know, and everything, and he doesn't, you know, talk himself up like that. But uh, of course, you know, Dion's just on a different level because Dion, you know, was big and everything. Right. Uh, but I, I agree. He doesn't get the the. Um, you know the credit he deserves from from what he did but man he he was some kind of athlete you know yeah. he I, I would not want to have gotten uh wouldn't want to be a running back or a wide receiver and going across the middle with with him i think he was a free safety or a strong safety or something like that but um he's a solid dude and yeah. um i think he probably stuck some people pretty hard he and he was a great yeah a great outfielder and um he was always a tough opponent i faced him when he was with the with the Cardinals. Okay. Well, looking forward to that. So you'll be doing a Q&A with him this Sunday. Yeah. Um, again, for 100% capacity this weekend at Truist Park. So hopefully we'll get a lot of people out there to come come out before the game and hear your Q&A with Brian. And then uh, in a couple weeks after that, when the Pirates come to town, uh, one of our favorite weekends of the year, Braves Alumni Weekend, will be rolling in town that weekend and uh, I can't wait that's going to be a lot of a lot of fun stuff coming out you get you're getting all the you got your list together still working <laughs> on that and all the events and everything yeah we've got our events 
pretty much set. We've got over 40 guys that are coming out. Um, we typically have a little bit more of that, but you know, with everything that's going on, we've uh, limited it this year just for about uh, around 40, but uh, some good names and guys that we're excited about being here. And it's going to be great. Just like, you know, we're talking about having Mark here in studio and being able to talk face to face, getting able to see some of our alumni here and uh, the fans to see them in our parade and introductions and um, autographs and Q and A's and all different types of things we'll be doing uh, while they're here over the weekend hope everybody comes out and joins us it should be a great weekend plus we're playing playing the pirates is always good to kick them around so <laughs> right. uh you know um we're looking forward to it and this is definitely one of the, my signature events favorite events where uh, we get all the guys back together I can't wait, man. It's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. It always is, and we hope to see as many of you out there uh, as as can make it. Well, uh, again, thanks to Mark Bowman for joining us here. Uh, as always, thank you for rating, reviewing, subscribing behind the Braves on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Braves.com slash behind the Braves, wherever you get them, we appreciate it. Uh, keep uh, keep rating, reviewing, subscribing. Keep telling your fellow Braves fans and uh, your family or your friend group about us, and check us out. We've got, I think, what. What is this episode eighty four going 84. back? To, mm-hmm. Yeah, going back to the mm-hmm. fall of twenty eighteen, and we've got uh, a whole library of uh, episodes with some. Even if you don't like us, we've got a lot of cool guests that we think you'll <laughs> like. So you can go back and check some of those out. All righty. Well, as always, thank you uh, for Greg McMichael. I'm Ricky Mast. We'll see you next week on Behind the Braves. Hey, Braves country, we just wanted to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe Behind the Braves on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or at braves.com slash Behind the Braves, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you, and we'll see you next time on Behind the Braves. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.